0: Welcome to Life Center Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit lifecenternyc.com. So I'm so grateful to be here before you all. Uh, I shared earlier. I'll share again. Um, It's just such an honor to be uh, to be here. Um, You know, uh, I'll share a bit of my my testimony here in a little bit, but. uh, I mean, the topic really, what I'm talking on, is going to be God's heart for Israel, and uh, that can seem kind of distant. Of you know, why should we really care about uh, Israel? Uh, You know, know, we're told to in the Bible, but what does it mean for us? Um, How is that close to us? What does it mean for my life and what I'm going through and how God has called me? Uh, You know, you want to bless Israel. We know that some, but at the same time, what does it really mean for us? I'm going to pray real quick. So, Father, I just thank you again. I thank you that your way is better. Thank you for worship this morning. Break down the walls, oh God. All of tradition. Break down the walls, oh God. Break down the walls of our understanding, misunderstandings, yes. our thoughts, Lord, which are not your thoughts. Would you reveal your heart, Lord? Your heart towards your people, Israel. Your heart towards us, oh God. We want what you say. We want to know what you think about us, what you think about your people. Bring us into that love. We want to be where you are. We want to be close to your heart. Thank you, Lord, for this. So, Lord, would you indeed stir, Lord? Would you release the spirit of wisdom and revelation? Would you release impartation? Would you give, Father God, living understanding concerning your love for your people and your love for us? Father, we bless you, Lord. In Yeshua's name, Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Yeah, so again, God's heart for Israel, right? The the point of understanding God's heart for Israel is understanding this huge storyline, this narrative that God has uh, unfolded in the scripture, right? Because there's one storyline in the scripture, just one. It starts in Genesis in a garden. It goes all the way to the book of Revelation back in a garden. And God wants to really pull us into what he's doing here on the earth, what he's doing here on the earth because what he's doing on the earth is what he's doing in your life as well. So we speak about something like God's heart for Israel. It seems so lofty, maybe even theological. What does that even mean? But we're going to tie in what it means for you because God truly has chosen his people Israel for the sake of saving you. It's really the, 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 the way that God has created a people to be able to bring um, shalom, bring blessing, bring salvation, bring to bring you know this faith into our lives. He's utilized them to do it. And so I want to go through a few scriptures, share a few testimonies to kind of talk to that. Um, so let's start in Isaiah 49. We can go to verse, uh, verse 6 here. And, and I need some help. So if you all could can help me read on the board with me. Um, this is uh the prophet Isaiah. Um, this is before the, the destruction of the uh of the temple itself. So Isaiah's a prophet, right? He's Jewish, um, prophesying to the leadership of Israel, prophesying to the people of Israel to come back into right standing with God. And in it, he's calling out the purpose in the heart of God. So let's do it together. He says. Is it too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel? I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. A light to the nations. A light to the nations. So that's the, that's the point right there, that God has raised up this people Israel. Yes, because he loves them. Yes, because he chose them, but for the very reason of being a light to save me, to save you, to bring you into this room very right now. That's the purpose. And we see it all across the scriptures. It's in Isaiah 60. It's in Isaiah 42. Every prophet speaking about, hey, Israel, God loves you, but don't forget the very purpose of why he's called you was to win the nations. So don't go after the nation's gods. Don't go after their idol worship because I'm trying to win them to myself. So we look to the New Testament. We look at Luke chapter 2. I don't have to turn to it, but I just have to speak to it. And that is, you see Jesus, Yeshua, as a child. He's being dedicated in the temple. And there's this man named Simeon who has the spirit of the Lord in him. And he sees Jesus. He sees Yeshua and he says, wow, my eyes have seen salvation. Not just that, but he says, this one will bring the light to the nations. It's in this one who... You're going to do exactly what you promised you're going to do, which is bring the Messiah through the people of Israel to save the world. And then when we see John chapter 4 and Jesus, Yeshua, speaking to the Samaritan woman at the well about living water, speaking to her about, hey, you're talking about how you worship, how we worship, you know, you know, you worship what you don't know. We worship what we do know. But the point that he says is that salvation is from the Jews, it's from the Jews that God has utilized this people to bring salvation across to the nations and to save us. And the, the beauty is that it doesn't stop there, is that it comes to us, yes, to save us because he loves us, but for the sake of bringing them back as well. So God chose Israel to save me. He's chosen me now to help draw them back to salvation, right? He's chosen Israel to save you. And in part, he's done that but he's not done. We come into our fullness here. He's going to utilize that to bring them back, right? So let's just kind of go over just a bit more on, again, God's heart for Israel, um, his purpose for Israel, and we really see that initial calling of Israel in Genesis chapter 12. So we can turn there. We can read together. Now the Lord said to Abram, Shall be blessed. Again, one point here that I want to just hammer in is God's calling of the people of Israel was for the sake of saving us. Everyone in this room for the sake of saving us. That's why He did it. That was the point of it. And He's saved us now to bring them back. But I think it's significant for us to understand why did He choose Israel? What does that even mean that He chose Israel? Am I not chosen? Why not me? What does that mean? I don't get it. How, why did he choose them? But the context of Genesis chapter 12 is Genesis chapter 11. And in Genesis chapter 11, we see the Tower of Babel. Right. So let's just back up for a moment. Right. We have, it starts in a garden. Right. We have Adam, 10 generations from Adam all the way to Noah. Right. So God promises to Adam and Eve that, hey, through the seed I'm going to bring through Eve, it's going to be one that's going to crush the very head of this serpent, that's Genesis chapter 3, right? We fall, and God says, hey, look, you've fallen out of the garden. I have to get you out of here, but I want you to come back. I want you to be back near to my heart, where I am. That's why we are worshiping the way we do. We want to be close to where he is. So this, the whole storyline is really a love story of God looking to bring us back in fellowship with him, and how would he do that? How would he bring that seed? Because the moment that they get kicked out, you have Cain and Abel, and Cain takes Abel out. So it looks like all hope is lost in many ways because how is a seed going to come through at this point in time when Cain himself has you know, gone to the wayside? So then they bring Seth. And, and on down, and we come to the point where we have Noah, right? He's the only one found righteous. So God does what? He brings the flood. But even after the flood, we have three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And not too long after that, they go right back into idol worship, up to the point where we have Genesis chapter 11, right? So from... Adam to Noah, 10 generations. Noah all the way to Abraham, another 10 generations. And in it, we see the nations building this Tower of Babel. In this tower, they're looking to do essentially pagan worship. They're looking to do exactly what God said not to do, which is join together and band together and try to make a name for their own selves, as opposed to making a name for God. God said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, I get out and glorify me in that. But instead, they kind of congregate together and build this tower. And truly, every one of us, all of us right here, there's no one that escapes us. All of our family lineage goes right back to the people of Babel. All of it. There was no other storyline happening outside of these three sons. There was no storyline happening outside of that. So all of our family, our great, 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 you take it all the way back, was a part of that construction crew of Tower of Babel. We were all a part of it, doing that. And what we see in Genesis chapter 12 is that God is calling Abram as a first fruits out of that, from the lineage of Shem. He calls him out of that and says, hey, they're not listening. The nations are not listening. What I'm going to do is I'm going to do something through you. I'm going to create a brand new people group. So the people of Israel were not even existing at that point in time, right? They didn't even exist. So when it says God chose Israel, they didn't even exist, right? The nations existed because God confused the languages in, in, in the Bible story, He disperses them out so we get the nations, people, tongues. That came from Babel. All the nations, how we look now, how we speak now, our different dialects, where we come from. That all comes from that point of Babel. And what God does in that moment is he pulls one out named Abraham or Abram at that time. And when we think about the word church, we get that word from, you know, ecclesia, which is like a, a Latin word. And that means the called out ones. The called out ones. And not just called out, but called out to be brought in. So what we see right there, with Abram is being that first fruit, that called out one to be brought back in. And the calling was to be a nation of priests. So you go down to Exodus, it says you're going to be a nation of priests to lead the nations into worship. My desire for you is to bless you, yes, to show you a land, right, to give you a blessing, but also to make your name great so you may be a blessing. So the desire for God's heart was that I'm going to bless your socks off for the sake of it overflowing into the nations. The nation says, what is it about your God? What is it about the God that you serve? This is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Israel. That's who we serve. And it starts right here. So what I'm trying just to unlock in us is just a gratitude that that comes in what the Lord has done. Because ultimately, it's a storyline. And our storyline of salvation did not just start from the day we got saved wasn't even started from the day that we were born. God has been working throughout this history to come and save me, to save you. And He's done it through a people of Israel. Um, we can go to Zechariah chapter three. Before I kinda of dive into that, uh you know, it's really just deep for me to be up here and to 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 speak and to and to and to teach because you know, I certainly am not qualified to be here. Um, but the reality is neither are you as well. <laughs> but, you know, none of, none of us are. That's just, that's just the reality that we're, we're just not, we're not qualified. And so I'm going to read in Zechariah 3 here the reality that, you know, we have no qualifications to be here right now. We have no qualifications to be here right now. It's all about God's pursuit over us that got us here. And so when highlighting his love for Israel its highlighting the, the extent and the depth of what he's done to save you. He's done so much to save you. So let's read Zechariah 3. We have it on the, on the screen here. And, and just background. Zechariah, he's a prophet. He's Jewish, right? Because, again, Old Testament, all Jewish. New Testament, the writer's also Jewish as well. And is a prophet during the time of the rebuilding of the second temple. So the storyline of Israel is that God calls him, nation, priesthood, they go astray. God disciplines them. Back again, they get revived. Nation, priesthood. God disciplines them. It's kind of like the story of our lives. That's why our storyline is so intrinsic to their storyline. And so, this point in Zechariah, it's like around 500 or so BC, after the destruction of this temple, after Babylon has come in and destroyed it, and all hope is kind of lost. And so, Zechariah uh, is preaching. He's, he's prophesying with another brother named Haggai, and these two are preaching and saying, "Come on." Let's return to the Lord. Come on, let's let's rebuild this temple. So what God is releasing through Zechariah is his heart for Israel, his heart for Jerusalem. Why? Because he wants to save the world. It matters. It's, it's, it's It's not too small of a thing just to save Israel. My desire is for the nations. So Zechariah 3, we can read it together. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angel, clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you and will clothe you with pure vestments. Wow. So very unique, right? Um, Zechariah is, is, we're seeing this vision of the heavenly court. It only happens a few times in scripture. One is in Job, another time Jude speaks about it as well which we see this, this heavenly court happening and, and the reality that Israel, who's represented by Joshua, the high priest, and Joshua is not, this, not the same Joshua of Moses' Joshua. This is a Joshua who was a part of the priesthood who was leading Israel back into worship again during the rebooting period. And so you see him here and he represents Israel as a priest in this priesthood, but his garments are filthy and it's a reality. His spiritual condition is bad. It's, 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 it's even worse than the nations, the, the type of worship they were into, the things that they were doing, the, the idolatry, the harlotry. It was, it was very, very, very in a very rough shape. So his spiritual condition is terrible. His moral condition is awful. There is nothing that qualifies him as a priest or even them at this point in time to be chosen, let alone chosen to bring light into the nations. And so the enemy is just sitting here just accusing him. And the enemy typically, he he usually accuses us with things that are somewhat truthful, things that we actually did, things that actually should be disqualifying us, that you did do that, but you you did. You did it. You're filthy. You did it. He's, he's, he's laying into us like that way, right? And so we have here the Satan, the liar, the accused. That's his name. Satan means the liar. He's laying into him saying, this one right here has no qualification. This one here, he should be the one thrown to the fire. Right? Remember, the, the, the fact is that you know, the enemy himself was a, a high-arching angel. He was the one who actually was supposed to be the one bringing worship. He was the one who actually wanted that, but he actually fell. So there's, there's jealousy and there's vengeance in his heart against the plans of God. But what does God say? Not only does he say, I rebuke you, he said, Adonai who has chosen Israel rebukes you. He sees the filthy garments. He understands the condition. But what does he do? He clothes them. He clothes them with with garments white as snow. And so that's what we see here. And why, again, I say God's heart for Israel is his heart for us, because that's us. Our condition is that same way, was that same way. Like we cannot stand before the court of God based on our own works. Not possible. But it's God who said, I've chosen you, I've brought you. Yes, I know the accuracy. I know what you've done. I know what you did even last night. But I've chosen you to clothe you. Yeah. So when you understand God's heart for Israel, the storyline of Israel, it starts to unpack a lot more the storyline of what he's done in your life the depth of his love for you, the depth of his mercy for you, the depth of what he desires for you, the very purpose and calling he wants to put in your life. Yeah. We can go to Romans chapter 9. When we say uh, Israel, there's so much controversy that comes with that. Um, There's so much we think there's so much controversy that comes with that. Just like when you say the church, there's so much controversy that comes when you just say those words and talk about those words. And a big portion of that is because the airwaves are charged with accusation. They're, They're charged with accusation. So it's very easy to unintentionally find ourselves in a place talking politics in a, in a place of talking about what they did or in a place of saying, well, you know, the church or, you know, or Israel, you know, it's very easy for us to find our place in that, that you know, that choosing rhetoric rather than understanding God's heart for the church, God's thoughts for the church, what he says about us. It doesn't neglect um, exactly what, what we've done, but instead it shows that his love is better, right? So let's read 9.14, and this is what he's going to be talking to. We can do it together. What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. Again, Israel's calling, their choosing was not based on their will their own exertion but on God who has mercy. It's God who has chosen Israel. And it's interesting, right? Because it's just like what Paul spoke to in First Corinthians, where he says, I'll use the foolish things, the very foolish things to shame the wise, and the very weak things to shame the strong. So when God's calling for Israel as a as a nation that's going to lead the nations into worship. That seems kind of foolish. At that point, the garments are filthy, and even today, it seems like, wow, how is that going to happen? But then again, look at our lives as well. He's used the foolish thing in me for sure. <laughs> the weak things in me. I don't even like. I don't like public speaking. I don't want to be up here. You know, like, <laughs> you know, like I'm holding this like this together. Like, ah. But this is what he'll do in us for his glory because the reality is what he deposits in you, yes, it's for you, but it's not just for you. It's not. I think about uh, just uh, my testimony and what the Lord has done to bring us, my wife and I, back to him, right? I mean, I was in New York, uh, you know, up until the point in 2012, doing everything but going to church, doing everything but serving the Lord. My desire was really for success, not for the things that would come from success, but just just success, right? I mean, from the point of going to school, I went to Hopkins to be a success. I come out of that, I'm at Cornell to be a success. I leave out of that, I get to a healthcare tech fund, I'm looking for success. Then I come and I'm really just right down the street, 85 Broad, at an investment bank. Right at the time when God first had called me on Taylor, 2006, literally, this is the time when I came to New York not in anyone's church. So by the time it gets to 2012, the Lord had stirred my heart. I had so many things I was after, so many things I was looking for myself. But it wasn't quite fulfilling me. I had a brother who's in the back who uh, played for the Knicks. I had courtside seats to the Knicks. I'm working at this investment bank. All the things lined up that should be better. But he troubles me out of that, and so I quit my job and I go travel for a few months. And, and I come back to try to figure out, all right, Lord, what's it going to be? I thought, actually, at that time, I'd go to medical school. Maybe that would be it. Doing more works, doing things that are good for, you know, for people. That would be the thing that would fulfill me. And I end up going to a baby shower. <laughs> and the baby, she's back there. That's my, that's my goddaughter. So it's literally, it's the baby. You know, she, was a, she was the one in the womb of my sister. So I go to this baby shower. And... I just got back in time. I'm at this baby shower, and the Lord grips me in that moment. I see my wife. And before I even spoke to her, I see her from across the room. I mind you, again, I haven't been to church from 2002 to 2012. Ten years I haven't been to church. I've gone a few times, but it wasn't my priority. So ten years off the fire, I see my wife across the room, and the Lord just interrupts everything. He says, the way you look at her is how I look at you. And I said, wow. I'd never heard the voice of the Lord before. I'd never heard the Lord, <laughs> you know, speak. And it wasn't audible, but it was in my heart. And it was confounding to me because, you know, here I am. You know, I was I ex- wasn't expecting that. And he says it again. He says, yes, the way you look at her is how I look at you. And I said, wow, Lord. And it was in that moment, uh, in the moments thereafter, that I started to see, wow, the Lord, you you've had this pursuit over me, this pursuit after me. You've been... Looking for me when I wasn't looking for you. There's been things that you've had. There's been a storyline happening here that you had this all set up. It was a sabotage. You had it. was an ambush. You, you fully knew what you were doing, and you came here, and you won me when I wasn't even looking for you. I wasn't seeking after you. So my wife and I, we meet. You know, we're serving the Lord. We caught fire for the Lord. And what, got, you know, what really hit us was his heart for us like a, like a bridegroom, that Jesus himself could be a bridegroom and I could be his bride. Didn't know that was even, you know, in existence. I knew him as a father and me as a son. But even that, I didn't fully understand, I mean, we lost our father when I was younger. So I didn't know really what that meant. I knew him as a king and me as his servant. But that's kind of still distant to a certain degree. But I didn't know that it was even allowed that he could be a bridegroom and I could be his bride. That I could be the one that he was pursuing after and that he would be faithful to me even when I wasn't faithful. And so we start to, to go through the scripture, look at Hosea, look at Song of Solomon, look at all these Jewish prophets and this storyline of what the Lord was really saying to his own beloved Israel. I'm a husband to you. Though you're unfaithful to me, I will be faithful. I will pursue it after you. I'll even raise up adversaries to bring you back. I'll even discipline you to the point to win you back. We started to kind of plug into this. Wow, this is a big storyline here. And It's incredible. So fast forward now, now we're at 2016, married at this point in time, serving in our church in D.C., baptized, praising the Lord, part of our house of prayer, active, involved in the Lord, searching after him, but it wasn't until 2016 that the Lord really encountered our hearts for Israel. We're in the hospital, our firstborn, our son, um, 16 weeks in the ER, complications, they don't know what. Wife's healthy somewhat, but we're trying to figure it out. Fast forward again, 18 weeks back in the hospital. Again, two weeks, again, hospital. Again, again, again. Long story short, it's that 26 weeks water breaks. We get rushed to the hospital. And we're believing the Lord. The Lord had given us so much shalom and so much peace at that time. So we're believing him for healing, which we didn't even know that was a reality. You could have healing, that this gospel of the kingdom, there's, there's healing in it. There's giftings of faith in it, that, that, that he has it, that, okay, if this is a storyline. Then clearly you already have this you know, a part of it. So you're going to bring breakthrough because you really got a breakthrough. So we're believing the Lord for that. So he has us where he wants us. We're right there. And then the doctors come in. They say, all right, look, what's going to happen? Babies, you know, might not make it, but we've got to save mommy. So, you know, uh, this is what it is. Give us the odds, the chances. It's not looking too good. Okay, fast forward. We go through the weekend. We lasted with the water broken. We're believing the Lord. And what is highlighted during that time for us, We're like, you know, let's just turn on a sermon. So we turn a sermon on, and it ends up being uh, something that's speaking on Israel. It's actually a, a ministry um, that's here in New York uh, called I Found Shalom, Chosen People Ministries. Some of you might know it. And in it, they're sharing testimonies of God's heart for Israel. You know, we were on fire for the Lord, but we had never really considered His heart for Israel so much. We, you know, when we saw the Bible itself and, we, and the words that we, we just you know applied it to ourselves, which is true, which is real. But we never thought about His choosing of Israel and what. That actually meant, and so we begin to watch these testimonies again and again and again about about their testimonies and their stories, which is enough to speak about it in its own you know, teaching. But long story short, what the Lord ends up highlighting in me, particularly, but in us, is that He has something against me. There's, there's, I'm grieving Him, and I'm like, Lord, how am I, how am I grieving You? I quit the job. We're on fire for You. <laughs> We're together, what is you know, we're serving, we're at house of prayers, we're every night we're we're in worship, we're we're leading, we're doing this, we're doing that, we're giving away, we're we're tithing, we're we're double we're doing all the things. What is it that's possibly grieving you? We're even trusting you for healing right now. And he says, You've been grieving me because you have anti-Semitism in you. And I said, how was how is that, Lord? You know, I'm talking back to the Lord and I'm saying, you know, no way, my, my best friends are Jewish. You know, I grew up around it. I mean, I have so many friends. So much favor in my life has come through the people of Israel. So there's, there's no way possible that that could be the case. And so the Lord, um, I mean, many of you have been encountered with the So He'll do some things sometimes that are a little strange. I and mean, what he does in me, he highlights a moment in time for me. That was just, but six months beforehand. If that, maybe five months beforehand. And in it, um, I'm not sure if you all remember, this is 2016, The Passion of the Christ, that, that movie, The Passion with Mel Gibson. Well, not much later, he got in trouble. He got pulled over. He said a lot of stuff, anti-Semitic stuff. A lot of stuff came out of him. There was a big controversy around that at that time. And I remember hearing that, and I remember saying, you know, to myself, you know, when they say something against, you know, black folks, it's not, you know, they don't, it's not a big deal. You know, it's, it's it's whatever. But it's, if it's against someone who's Jewish, oh, it's like they're going to shut it down. They'll cancel them. And God, He pauses right there, and He reveals my hardness against His people. And I'm like, wow. And then he takes me to another point in time, and it says, he says to me, you know, when I'm, when I'm in a thought, and my thought was that, you know, they're Jewish. You know, I don't know if they're really, <laughs> truly the people, this and that. I don't know. If that's the, And he pauses right there, and he shows the hardness of my heart for even doubting. And I just began to weep. Again, we're in the hospital. Right, our son's life was online. We're in the house and I'm just we're weeping, weeping and saying, Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for this in my heart. I didn't know that even existed. Right? Here we are serving, we're loving the Lord, we're believing him out his word, and and yeah, we, we said we bless Israel, but I didn't even know that was even in my heart. So we repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive us. Uh, and the Lord and said, you know, you've had a very sentimental love for my people. That's not gonna cut it. You have to have my love, my heart for my people. And that's really what I'm up here looking to share with you is that we may have thoughts ourselves that are very sentimental, very emotional driven. That's up and it's down. It's up and it's down. And depending on many things for Israel and, and really for ourselves. But the reality is that God says, I want to give you my heart for Israel, just like he wants to give you his heart for your own self. Because you have many thoughts for yourself that are part of the accusation you know, group, things that you've done, things that you have felt. Things that might you feel like are just disqualifying you—that you are maybe was it imposter syndrome? That people call it sometimes. All of us kind of can battle that a little bit, but God's saying, "Look, I want to rip through that. I want to give you my heart for yourself, my heart for my firstborn, and that's going to open your heart to him saying, my heart for you as well." So, Lord, He moves on our heart, and we start going deeper here. And what He ends up leading us into is Romans chapter eleven. Chapter 11, verse 11, we can say it together. So I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean Now I'm speaking to you Gentiles. Inasmuch then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous, and thus save some of them. For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? So there's so much here, there's so much here. So again, why would you care about God's heart for Israel? Why, why would you care about them? And you know God's chosen you and this and that, and that's great, but why does it matter to you? Because I feel like if you don't see how this connects with your storyline, how this connects with you, you'll be, at best, indifferent, let alone anti-Semitic or a full replacement theology. But at best, you are just being indifferent. That's over there, we bless it, that's great. There's also people in Indonesia, there's people in, in East Africa, there's people everywhere you know, and I have my life here in New York and I got what I have going on. Sure. But what God is looking to do is pull us into this narrative of Israel. He's trying to pull us into his heart for Israel because in it, you're going to find your purpose, your salvation, your narrative, your storyline. It's, it's really interesting. It's like there's these kingdom dynamics that sometimes God will take you this way to bring you back where you need to go, right? Or sometimes you have to actually give to receive, right? Or you have to tie somehow. It doesn't make sense sometimes, the kingdom dynamics. But there's also a kingdom dynamic and understanding as well. And so when Paul is speaking in Romans 1, he says, to the Jew first. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, right? It's the power. We got that. To the Jew first also. There's a kingdom dynamic with our understanding, and for us to get, I understand that's got us that to be uh, released and broken through, there's a bit that we have to understand, that is this thing began with his heart for Israel. Yeah. And not only that, but even in their stumble, we were saved. That's what it said. Not my words. That's what it said. It said that the only reason why we're even saved is because of, their, of what God has done through them. And even in their stumble, we got salvation. But here's the, the good news the good news is that if their stumble led to us being in this room, how much more is it going to be when they come back into the faith? Yes. If their stumble, if, if their rejection, right, there's always been a remnant, but in their, if their rejection itself led to the, the word of the Lord going forth to the nations as it was promised in Isaiah 49, in Genesis 12, Isaiah 60, Luke 2, John four all throughout the scripture God said you're going to because when God calls you He's going to He's there's no takebacks He's going to use you no matter what it's going to, you can't you can't escape the Lord's call on your life He's got you here you're not going to be able to escape Him and so when He calls Israel He says Israel you're going to bring salvation to the world even in your stumble you're going to bring it even in your stumble you're going to bring it He's a husband. He's married to this. And he's not going to divorce his himself away from this. And so then it's like, well, ah, oh, that's a lot. So what does that what does that mean for me? I'm saved through their stumble. God offered for Israel. What, is, what does that mean? Right? Where well, it shows you the depth of his love, yes, but it also shows you there's like, there's that calling on your life as well now. We are now called to draw them back to the Messiah. Right? This is the Messiah. This is Jesus. He's the promised Messiah of the Jewish people. He's the one that they spoke about in Genesis chapter 3, the seed that would come. He's the one who's, who, who was to come through a people of his presence to save us. You know, when I think about our testimony, my wife and I, and I think about 2012 is when it kind of kick-started for us, but I think about when I first moved to New York 2006, all along this time, when I was in no one's church, when I was not seeking after God, the Lord was stirring something here in this place. He was stirring it so that at the point in time when we moved back to New York, which was two years ago, God had touched us and he said, you know, this time is going to be different in New York for you. This time in New York, when you come to New York, we're going to have a church. We're going we're to be serving the Lord. We're going to be doing the things of the Lord and be planted here And so, you know, we were in uh, Kansas City for some time at IHOP, Kansas City, and we asked friends to, hey, what church is it in New York? You know, what's the Lord doing? And they mentioned Life Center, so we said, okay, great. So we come, we come here to Life Center. Two years ago, there's in this building, there's there's just like you right now. There's chairs here. There's there's preachers of the hour. There's there's worship happening. You know, in the in the front, there's AV. There's lighting. There's there's ministry. There's this place is all set up, and we just step into it, and such a blessing for us. But I'd be remiss to not recognize the fact that all the Lord had done to create even this place, this house of worship, from the call for Bill and Tammy, Sal and Jules, and all that has gone into building this house of worship so that me, my wife, and our children could come here, Amen. right? I mean, when you get this, this idea of storyline and this, what the Lord has done in Israel for me, you start to apply it to many other realms of your life. And so what we saw then is that, wow, Lord, look, look what you've done. You know, we just show up, and this place is here. But truly, when it was all going down, I wasn't even looking after the Lord. I wasn't even searching after him. When, when the call came and what they were doing to build it on Chambers Street and all that went into it, the sacrifice, all the things that happened, you know, Mariah, Coder, Rich coming in, there's so many folks who have come in and, and, sat and done so much to, to make this happen. We just showed up, and it was just here. We sat down. And it was just going on. There was coffee there. We get to have it. It's just great, you know? But I, you know, there's a significance here because when you start to see yourself in the storyline, yeah. it unlocks a gratitude. And when it unlocks a gratitude, it also cancels out accusation. And accusation starts to cancel out. When you, when the when the gratitude gets, un, gets unlocked, that accusation starts to cancel out because you're on a different narrative. You're looking at what the Lord, who has chosen Israel, chosen life center, chosen Bill, chosen you, chosen your wife, chosen each one of us, our friends, what he says about us mm. as opposed to just the reality of the filthy garments. Yeah. So it unlocks so much and I'm so grateful for that. And so this depth of understanding of the Lord's heart for Israel, it matters to you. Maybe you're just saying, hey, I just want revival to come. I hear what you're saying. That's great. I want <laughs> revival to come. That's it. But if that's the case, that's wonderful. But as you, as you saw there in Romans 11, it says, our fullness is dependent upon their fullness, their fullness ours. And when they come in, it will be life from the dead. You can spiritualize that and say that's just like, you know, uh, spiritual revival, and that's amazing. That It is that. Or you can even go deeper in that and say maybe that even means the resurrection itself. Maybe it even means that it's a revival coming that will be unto the, the actual resurrection, the actual life from the dead that's coming. This matters. This matters. Whether it's, you know, maybe you're saying, okay, revival, that's great. You know, I just want the bridal paradigm. I just want to be near to his heart and, and just kind of, he's my you know husband and I'm the bride, and... But realize that that was what was first called for Israel. Israel is the bride. We got to get into that. But Israel's who, you know, they they are the bride. And he's not going to divorce, just like he won't divorce us. So because God is faithful to his word with Israel, because we can bank on that, we can bank on the fact he'll be faithful to us. Because that he's not going to uh, let them just stay in that state of blindness forever. He's going to save them. Because of that, we can bank on the reality that he'll do the same for us, yeah. even in it. Because we see that picture of Zechariah 3, that he is saying, this is a brand plucked from the fire. We can say, me too. I'm a brand plucked from the fire. I'm the one who had filthy garments. I'm the one who, who, was, who was taken and, and, and given clean garments. Not just that. it would go on further And Zechariah, it says... Then Zechariah says, put a turban on his head, which sounds kind of like strange, but what he's meaning is that they put this turban on the head, and that's saying, I'm declaring God's name over you. I'm putting my name on your forehead. I'm putting my name in you. I'm going to attach myself to you. I'm going to brand myself on you, hence the name Israel, right? I mean, think about that for a moment. It's very deep, right? You have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob's name gets changed by the Lord to Israel, which is phenomenal because in it is the name of the Lord, right? El, Elohim, Mm -hmm. right? God puts his name in him. That's never happened before. That that is phenomenal. This is the first time, I mean, now, you know, you 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 have Samuel, so many others afterwards, but this is the first time God's saying, I'm putting my name in him. I'm going to be so attached to him, even when he goes astray, it's going to be, that's the God of Israel. That's like saying, you're married to one who's out doing all the worst things, and you're proclaiming, "Still, my bride. I'm the, I'm the husband of that one. But everyone sees on the headlines what she's doing. Everyone sees on the headlines what's going on, and you're still attached saying, yep, I'm the God of Israel. And he's the same God of you as well. That's why I'm just, I'm just laying in here saying, he's the God of Israel. Our story is found in this very storyline. And it's the pursuit that's gonna bring us into uh, truly a greater depth of appreciation that can be applied to each other. To my wife, again, I'll apply it to that. You know, my wife was born for the very reason of being my wife. (laughs) (laughs) No, but you know, when you think about this storyline, I'm from D.C., my wife is from Jamaica, right? How how has that happened? Right? How does that even happen? How, how does it happen that things are aligned that way? And, th- and this would be the instrument of God's glory to bring me in, you know, back into the faith. And that would even allow me to be up here talking right now. That's, in- that's incredible. Yeah. What a storyline that the God has. The ups, the downs of it. She wasn't even going to go to this baby shower for a moment. She was thinking not to go. You know, What if I hadn't quit? I mean, there's so many things in it that God has aligned it up to be that way and in your life also. Wow. So much, while you're even in this seat right now, you might be saying, why am I even here? I wasn't even thinking about coming today. But there's a reason why. And there's so much that went into place to even make that seat available for you. That very seat itself, that, that, that it costs something. It's significant. God sees you. He's after your heart. He wants you. He's done so much to win after you. This story of God's heart for Israel really is the story of his heart after us. Yeah. Yeah. And not just that, we don't replace him, but it's still his heart for them. Mm-hmm. So it gives us hope and, and us a dignity as well. Right? Right? I mean, I'm hoping that this brings honor to what God has done in Israel, but also that it brings honor in what he wants to do through you. Yeah. Think about that. Right? They're called as a priestly nation to lead the nations in worship, and then we get to be adopted into that. It's incredible. The whole time I thought I was the firstborn. I thought I was the one. I thought it was me. I thought I was the firstborn on this. I thought it was, it was, it was me. God, I mean, I always just knew Jesus. I grew up in the church, a charismatic church. I just thought this was just what it is. It's just, it's, it's just salvation. It's, it's just me. And God had to highlight that, you know, one, it's not you who supports it, but the, he, he, this supports you. It changed my understanding. And and so it humbled me, but then also made me think, but oh, how you love me, that you would adopt me into this blessing. (laughs) That you chose them as your firstborn. You called Abram out, Isaac, Jacob, 12 sons, and you've done all this to them, but that you still wanted me. That despite my family lineage going back to the Tower of Babel again, being a part of that construction crew, doing all the wrong things, you said, "I'm going to save your great, 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 great." This, this right, you wanted, you, you had me in your mind when you called Abram, when you literally came through and said, "Get going out of your land, Abram," because there's someone named Frank I want to save. There's someone named Rich I want to bring to life. There's someone named Jordan who's going to come here and worship. There's someone named Cote who I want you to to encounter. There's someone named Lachlan. There's there's someone named Mariah that that get going out of your land because I have someone for you. I have someone to save. That's why it matters. So when we're blessing Israel, we're really blessing the plans and the purpose of God. And it's not that God is... Injust. It's It says it right there in Romans. It, said, it spoke. He's not unjust. He sees the, the state of their condition. He sees that, but he saw it for us also. So the same grace and mercy applied to us, applies to them. And when we come into fullness of this, it's going to lead life from the dead. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. We can go to Romans 11, 25. Read it together. Least you be wise in your own sight. I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery. Brothers, a partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved, as it is written. The Deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. This is what the Lord is doing. He doesn't want us to be misinformed or be wise in our own eyes, which the Proverbs says it leads to falling away in many ways. He doesn't want us to be drawn by our sentimental thoughts on Israel because he doesn't want us to be drawn to our sentimental thoughts on ourselves or our, 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 our spouses or our friends or anyone in this church. It's not about just the thoughts you have towards anyone. It's about God's thoughts, and you want to align yourself to his thoughts. You want to say, Lord, What is it that you see in them? Highlight that to me. Give me the thoughts you have towards Israel. Give me the thoughts you have towards me. What are your thoughts towards me? These are the questions we can ask. When the Lord encountered me with my wife, he said, this is how I feel about you. The way that you look at her, that's how I feel about you. I didn't know we could even engage in that level of intimacy. The storyline of God's heart for Israel is really a storyline of God's intimacy. And we want to go closer and be where he is. We want to be close up to his heart. And in it, he's going to unlock so much for us. And it's going to realize that they're not disqualified and you're not disqualified. So it's a story of grace, a story of mercy. It's a a love letter. It's It's from Genesis all the way to Revelation, right? We start off in that garden. We end the new Jerusalem in the garden every tribe and tongue, every nation, every language before him. He turns what was a punishment of confusing the languages and making us into tribes and nations. He turns that into something that's glorious before his throne. This is what God is. This is what he does. So the deeper we can go into his heart for Israel, the deeper we can understand his heart for us. They're not disqualified. We're not disqualified. Worship team, I guess you are walking. come on up. It's, it's really a story of uh, it's not him who wills, but on God who has mercy. You are here for a reason. You might have been here just for two months, three months. Maybe it's just been two years like my wife and I. Maybe it's your first time, and you're like, what did I step into? Yeah. It's a storyline you stepped into. God's been after your heart. He's going to get you. You're not gonna be able to, to, uh, You're not going to be able to. Just like with Israel, he's after them. He's using us. He's awakening our eyes to come into understanding. The Lord is after your heart. He's going to win you. Maybe you're here contending for a family member, contending for someone in your family. Understand it's not about the emotional, sentimental love you even have for them. It's about what God says and what he wants to do. He's going to win them. Align your heart with Him. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can also follow us on Instagram at LifeCenterNYC or YouTube at LifeCenterChurchNYC.